Test, 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 mic test. Making sure I'm coming in clean and hot. Hot! Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2021. Wait, 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 wait. There was one track I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to play. I just wanted to hear it. I heard the intro earlier. I was like, let's get this one in. Camera on what up what up what up i don't know about y'all but welcome to 2021 the bigger better more enjoyable more hardcore 2020 baby if you thought 2020 was wild gear up suit up put your seatbelt on because we're going to mars going on backwards for this hope y'all are ready <laughs> ah. how's everybody doing i hope you all had a good new year uh if you missed the opportunity to celebrate the new year with me i apologize i didn't leave the house but my wife put together a little zoom event for us that was uh that was actually pretty it turned out to be a great time as a matter of fact so i had fun i see a lot of names in here that i that i know were in there and ended up having a lot of fun you had to be you had to follow me on facebook in order to to see it all happen i don't i don't, I don't know how it works okay it's a little beyond me. Yes, Casey Turner, you can call me tomorrow. Feel free, big dog. Get in line, because everybody's getting fired up. It's 2021. Let's write twofers. What's up, everybody? Welcome aboard. This is... Uh, <laughs> This is uh, this is going to be the Lawn Care Help Desk. This is a live show I do every Sunday where I like to talk and share a little bit of my expertise with you, the viewer. No matter what your uh, uh, no matter what your stage of the game is, let's just let's just get it get it out there and see what we can unpack tonight. A little bit of my background. My background is surfer S management. But I've spent the majority of my career in lawn care. <laughs> I realize that 20 was now. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me, let me, let me, let me keep going on this uh, playlist here. I'm having a good time with this. Um, 
And so the way this typically works is this is an open format, meaning you ask questions, I provide answers. Now, a couple caveats there is that number one, I'm fallible, I'm human, I do make mistakes. Second of all, uh, I start at the top of the chat and work my way to the bottom. Now, if you're watching me, I'm on about a 20 second delay unless you're watching on Twitch. Uh, Twitch seems to have the shortest amount of time uh, 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 the shortest amount of delay. So if you want to stream on Twitch, you can go to twitch.tv slash thegrassfactor or you can go to thegrassfactor.net and that will have a live stream of the Twitch feed right there in your face. Of course, now I also do this on Facebook Facecrack. You can go over to facebook.com forward slash thegrassfactor and of course stream there. Pick your poison. I know my old boy, Aldo Beltran, likes to hop on over there to the Twitch stream. We got John. John. I almost called you John J. Jastrzewski. What's up, John Jastrzewski? One of my favorite folks up in Joycey. He's a beach bum. Don't lie. I, you know, this is another one of those things that I didn't realize until later in life that there were beach bums up in Jersey. I had no idea. I thought that was only like a California thing. Ah, nah, it's everywhere. So like I said, I started the top list and I worked my way to the bottom. Please understand that if I miss your question, it was honestly a mistake or I don't feel like getting into the topic because there may be something about that topic that's a little bit sensitive and I have to be careful what I say. I have a lot of fun doing this YouTube channel. Unfortunately, I get in trouble often with this YouTube channel. Boy, happened last week. I can't get into specifics, but my goodness, I got... I got absolutely reamed last week, but it's all right. It's not going to stop me. I don't care anymore. I survived 2020. I've got a new chip on my shoulder. Half <laughs> in the chat for everyone that survived 2020. And survived it positively. I know it was tough for a lot of people. It was tough for me included. You can ask my wife. You can ask my kids. You can ask everybody in my family. It was it was a hard 2020. But you know what? We're better men for it. Ladies too. We survived and we're going to have one bad ass 2021. You're going to have to get a lawyer to sit with you like Steven Crowder. I, I don't know what I'm going to need, but it's it's hilarious how mad people get over some of the things I say. Here, here's, you know, this is one of the things I go back to. And listen, listen, I've, I've, I'm, I'm very grateful for the platform I have. I'm very grateful for the viewers I have. I have a very niche YouTube channel. Very niche, right? I'm not for everybody, and I, I totally get that. Um, I intentionally structure everything I talk about in such a way to be not for everybody, only for the people that want to go a little bit further. I want to appeal to the people that have a little bit uh, 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 more of an obsessive compulsive uh, tendency or, or uh, it, it just a, that really care about figuring out why things are working a certain way because that's the way I am. And so those are the kind of people I want to appeal to. And it's niche. It's niche. 
But some people act like I carry a lot of power. And I'll tell you right now, I do not have any power. Uh, YouTube wields me no power. I've got a great friend network. I mean, I have made actual legitimately great friends through the YouTube thing. If, if friends here in the in the chat right now, I'm seeing. But if you're concerned, I've got some kind of massive power over here. I don't, which I don't think it's anybody in the chat right now. I'm talking to people that may be lurking and not not interacting. That may have some kind of weird thing. I don't know. <laughs> Richard said I need a shot collar. Sometimes it feels that way. But I don't care. Like I said, I got a chip on my shoulder. I survived 2021. I'm not worried about it. That's a that's a uh, that's a that's a brutal thing to survive. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run with it. You know what I'm saying? We shall continue to go hard in the paint. If Ryan Demay is tuned in, FTP, my friend, FTP. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, no, there's definitely nobody in this chat right now that didn't survive 2020. I, it was, it was just, it was a joke. All right, so uh, again, feel free uh, to throw your questions into the chat, and we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get going. Uh, so uh, let's see. One of the early questions I had, and still, there's not a whole lot I can be talking about the Carbon Earth thing, uh, other than uh, Car- Carbon Earth is is out of business, right? So that that's it. There was a there was a countdown on the on the website at one point. It's gone and expired. I have no idea what's on the website right now at all, uh, because I'm I'm no longer in control of it or in possession of it. Um, uh, nor do I. So yeah, I have I have no idea. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the countdown is at zero. So. Surprise! Nothing's coming of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if, if you have any uh, any question relating to that, there's not really going to be anything I can tell you other than Carbon Earth was done. Now, there's things that are going on outside of Carbon Earth, and some of that I can talk about privately. Uh, uh, some of it I cannot talk about publicly because of everything that went on and, and like why Carbon Earth is closed, and uh, and so I can't I can't. I just, I gotta, I gotta be real careful with, uh, with what goes on there. So that being said, um, uh, and, and yeah, Jason, that's, I can't, I can't get into the specifics of it. Uh, but basically went to work one day and was told that, uh, nope, there is, there's, uh, uh, it's not going to happen. Now there are plans for, for, for the, for, there are plans that are in place for, for this year for 2021 and so uh, if you're freaking out being like oh what i'm gonna do with my programs i'll tell you right now there's nothing you really need to uh there's nothing you need to worry about so if you would like um i can throw some some links over in the chat some reading material if you would like to do that um and and by all means uh feel free to reach out and make any kind of inquiries that you need to make uh to yeah, there, there you go. You know what I'm saying? Make any kind of inquiries that you need to, and uh, and someone somehow, some way, will get you assisted. So, here we go, Jason. I see you over there. I see you over there panicking. There's no reason to panic. Like I said, everything's gonna be okay. We're all gonna be all right. We're gonna wake up. 
one day in February and it's going to be like nothing ever happened. Everybody's going to be banging their head against the wall and be like, how did that happen? It was like nothing ever happened. How about that for some cryptic talk? <laughs> um, man, I, I, you know, hey, look, we are at the start of the year. I know there's not a lot of grass things going on right now. I totally get that. Um, kind of in the background, some of the things, uh, you know, we've, we've been working on internally, uh, and you'll be seeing more about this on the, uh, specifically the suburb website coming up, um, this week is, uh, our, our new product that we're going to be releasing called subvert <laughs> Freudian slip getting choked here. Hang on. Hang on one second. I did all that screaming. Um, is Prefix, a product called Prefix. And I teased a little bit on uh, some social media pages. I pulled that down for now. Don't worry. The, the, there, there will be more to do with that. Um, I, I, obviously, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do this. You know, people that are members of the channel kind of have some inside baseball. What's going on? Uh, what's going on publicly will be released a little bit later this week. Um, and we'll have pricing and things like that. So basically, uh, what this product is going to be designed to do is an additive to your pre-emergent applications. I yanked my cord out of my headphones, so I can't hear myself right now. So it kind of freaks me out, but it's an additive to go with your pre-emergence that will power the plant through potential root pruning that can take place by applying a dinitroalanine. And when I say dinitroalanine, I'm talking about our DNA pre-emergence. So all of these are going to be in the same group. All of these are DNAs. Um, and all of these are relatively aggressive uh, root pruners of sorts. So I'm talking about pendimethalin. I'm talking about prodiamine. I'm talking about dithiapyr. Um, and one of the ones that we actually have in trial right now is actually Spectacle 2. So, um, all of those, uh, we should have more data because now we're running trials on St. Augustine and, uh, and also of course with the, with the spectacle, but at least for right now, um, you know, at least every, everything that, that we have, uh, uh, uh trial information on, uh, is going to be towards those three. And, uh, and again, kind of the inside baseball thing is that, you know, a lot of that is, is shared already with the, uh, with the members of the channel, but don't. No pressure, nothing there. It's just, you know, if it's something that's just real bothering you, you basically you just get inside information on it, but it's not, it's not going to make it available to you any sooner yet. Uh, but actually it will. So yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Barry, it's going to be different. So it's kind of like uh, uh, a lot of the, the same people involved are, are, is going to look the same. Uh, a lot of the contents are going to look the same, but the exterior is going to be completely different, right? So it's like you took off your Iron Man costume and put on a uh, Spider-Man costume is, uh, or, or you just, you just took off the Iron Man costume and you just ass naked now <laughs> would be the, the other way to look at it. So it should be something like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, prefix will be a great product. And this is one of the ones, so somebody asked me a question earlier and I'll kind of, I'll kind of start talking about this. They were talking about how, uh, if, 
Your turf grass is already established. Does root pruning herbicides still prune roots? And the answer to that is yes. It's non-selective. DNAs are going to be non-selective in the sense that they're going to have some capacity of root pruning that takes place uh, regardless of the age of the turf. Now, over time, maybe turf becomes resistant to the root pruning effects in some instances. Other times, it doesn't. And what you just start with is during that, you are so accustomed to growing turf in a, uh, in a reduced root capacity that you're not quite sure what's going to happen if you did have a maxed out root system through it. And, you know, there's kind of some anecdotal stuff that goes in of, well, have you ever put a lawn on a post-emergent only program or kept it off a pre-emergent program in favor of doing some other things to help trying to control uh, some weeds? Like, and, and there are some nerds out there, like there's some old turf people in, in my world that uh, they were real big on, particularly on fescue, believe it or not. On fescue, they, didn't, they never wanted pre-emergent on fescue. And the whole reason was they felt like it performed better further into the season because you weren't dealing with a pruned root system. So the, um, uh, yes, Barry, yes. Uh, because I designed all of those products and uh and so i will keep that uh because that is that is my design that's that's my that's my chemistry uh mine and john borden's so that's that's how that would go um so anyway i thought i'd i kind of i kind of plug that that prefix product there because i'm not not really seeing a whole lot of uh uh, uh specific lawn questions coming in but uh, the whole premise there, uh, basically, we're using lots of uh, inputs that are going to be very small that uh, can that have a very, very high uh, foliar uptake rates, right? So these particular inputs, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it. When the label comes out, you can take a look at the label and try and put it together. Uh, I'm not going, going to um, go through the depths of the label right now. Uh, because I would like the opportunity to put it on the market first before I start detailing every single uh, ingredient at, at what rates is in it. So give me that opportunity first before I just completely blow it all out of the water and, uh, and, and, tell, and tell the secrets that I use. But we're using lots of very, very, very fine particle-sized materials, many, multiple ones, uh, and using that as as um, a stable suspension uh, to carry specific biostimulants into the tissue of the plant to basically force the growth of the root system beyond the detriment of the pre-emergent, if that makes sense. And there's lots of little different pieces that this this was put together. So it's not it's not a single product. This is this is a uh, this is a, a multifaceted product. And uh, and like I said, you know, if you have you've been paying attention on all the different social media pages and stuff, you've you've probably seen the posts that I put up. 
I'll pull it down uh, just until we finish with everything on our end as far as registrations and all that fun stuff and building out, you know, pricing structures and uh, also building some inventory too uh, because, because this stuff has to be made and it takes a minute to be made. There's some reactions that take place in there and that takes time for that to happen. So there you go. That is going to be the big new release. Um, that email uh, kind of kind of deal will be going out tomorrow. At some point, uh, no, it will not be going out. It's possible it would be going out tomorrow. I can't say with 100%, but at least one day this week, um, th that information will be going out. And if you would like to sign up to receive that information, of course, you can go to subvertmpk.com and uh, fill out the contact form. Uh, and, uh, and you will be, uh, or at least even the form on the first page there, and you will be entered into the email database and you will receive that email, including pricing and all that stuff when it is available. Of course, if you are a member of the, uh, higher end of whatever it is on the YouTube community thing, uh, that product will be available to you first. Um, so no, this is, is going to be very early spring, um, like within the next 30 days, Bermuda, Brian. So that's, that's kind of where we are. Um, we have been doing a lot of work, uh, off offline. Um, and again, kudos to, to John Borden, uh, and, uh, and Carson bone, uh, for making all this reality because without them, I probably would not have had the mental stamina to get to this point. Uh, but the fact that we have gotten to this point is is just, <laughs> I mean, it's not just short of a miracle. One day, I promise, um, I will be writing a book about this because it just doesn't even make sense of how everything all falls together, falls apart, and then comes together again to fall apart and come together again. So, you know, what do you do? All right, now we're starting to get some good questions in now. So let's go ahead and, and kind of uh, flip the topic over to these. Over to these. So uh, Lord of Junk said, Armada versus the Propiconazole Zoxy Taint Mix, both a combo of Group 3 and 11. Any advantages to using Armada? Um, yes, the DMI that is in that, um, and I'm drawing a blank on what the Zol is in that. Uh, hang on, Armada. Armada, I believe, is is it trifloxysulfuron? Uh, let me let me look this up real quick because it's escaping me. I have been knee deep in the world of white papers and not really looking a whole lot at herbicides here over the last month or so. Ah, yeah, triadimophon and trifloxysulfuron. So, um, yeah, so triadimophon is probably not as strong of a, a, a growth retardant that. Um, propiconazole would be so probably a little bit less summertime risk to applying this than you would be with propiconazole, especially an oil based propiconazole. Uh, that can be a bit problematic. So, uh, that's yeah, basically, that's uh, did I say trifloxysulfuron? I meant trifloxystrobin, is what I, <laughs> I don't know, right? You got me, you got me confused in here. <laughs> uh yes so exactly telly especially in situations like that so that's one of the things we've started doing now is is looking at uh reclamation type uses where if it is over applied if it is over applied 
um, what kind of rates are required to counteract the over application rates of a DNA herbicide? I don't know the answer to that, but that is, that is one thing I've, I've definitely been looking at because kind of the hard part there is that at what point does it become uh, non-selective and, and, you know, take it all out. So there we go. I'll tell you this, Lord of Junk, um, Ray, who's in the chat right here, he's, he's the green doc of, uh, of Hawaii. Um, huge fan of Armada, really enjoys Armada. Now, the one kind of caveat to Armada, and this is just based on uh, what I hear from people, I have not sprayed a lot of Armada over my lifetime. I probably have sprayed 10 pounds of Armada uh, in my entire life. But that being said, um, I would not, everything I have seen and the little bit of experience I have, I feel like I did not quite get as much time and it may only be a few days shorter, but I feel like I just didn't get quite as much residual out of Armada as I did out of propiconazole, azoxystrobin. But that could be purely a psychosomatic thing going on in my head too. I have been prone to have those types of issues as well. So it's important to keep that at least somewhat in the back of your mind. And, and so really at this point, there's without a doubt, you'll see it on all the uh, uh, um, uh, descriptions of fungicides and stuff. So if you're looking at like the NC State turf files or whatever the case may be, you'll see it does have very high efficacy. Um, and I think I'm trying to go off memory here, but I think on the NC State turf files uh, for brown patch, you're only seeing a 21-day residual on Armada, but I don't know. I'm going off memory here. So I would look into that, and I'll tell you this, but you can't go wrong using it as, as part of your, your fungicide program. So I would test it out and see how it works for you and your climate and your turf and your lawns uh, compared to propiconazole and azoxystrobin. Uh, let's see, where are we going? Uh, isn't snow cover really good for the lawn, cool season grass, Jersey grass style? Uh, Izzy, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what you mean, Jersey grass style, but is snow cover good for the lawn? Potentially, I, you know, I guess if you're trying to protect it from like desiccating force winds, right? So high winds over the winter that has um, the ability to dehydrate the, 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 the lawn and upper layer of the soil, then I would say yes, in that instance, it could serve as a protective barrier. Uh, but if it's just dormant and you're not really experiencing any kind of weather extremes outside of that, it's not really going to offer you anything just exceptionally beneficial for having snow cover. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, with fungicide apps on tall fescue, is it more useful to use a surfactant to spread the liquid on the foliage or an MSO to get it into the plant? Well, David, this is, it's going to vary based on the active ingredient and what the manufacturers are putting into the tank. The label will make a recommendation whether to use a surfactant or a penetrant or something of the sort. And if it is not on the label, chances are it already exists as part of the formulation in the can. And that's why they do not make that recommendation. And thus, it would not be it would not increase efficacy to add that to that active ingredient because it's already part of the formulation. So I would consult with your label on that type of scenario because your label will give you more clues as to 
how that was formulated and whether or not you actually need it because it can help in different ways like that. What's up, Grace? How are you? God is good. Um, where am I? Using a brown bag to stop hyperventilating. Good job. Blushy. Good job. I'm glad you caught it in the nick of time. <laughs> Blushy, do not hyperventilate. Uh, let's see here. Uh, could prefix be an all the time fix? If it's a hella good growth, root growth stimulant, I want that all year round. Yeah, it, it, it is, but, <clears throat> uh, there's, uh, easier ways to do it, I guess, that do not require, um, the significance of the individual inputs that are in there. Um, but <laughs> this is kind of another one of those other things. I've been playing with it and trying to do some other things with, some other inputs on a very, very small scale like that to see how it responds in the plant. And uh, so it's potential uh, has some other kind of trade-off uses there, but I, it's hard for me to get into it yet because I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it and figure out um, how to keep those suspensions stable. We'll leave it at that. Um, site one is that's I'm saying if you like mix it with other things, so I'm talking like mixing it with fertilizers and stuff like that. And I'm not, yes, you can, it is miscible with a fertilizer, but I'm talking about taking that same technology that we use in prefix and then applying that to a fertilizer to make it have higher availability foliarly as well. Uh, RBL, Jack, look, look at, look at Ray chiming in here. Uh, Green Doc owns more fungicides than the rest. <laughs> he, he doesn't. He's very selective about what he carries. He goes after the ones that are, uh, most effective for him. John Teague said, Matt, why is my lawn the most dominant in Knoxville? Uh, I don't know. Um, probably because you put the most amount of money and effort into it would be my guess. <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying. Uh, let's see here. Timmy Bluegrass said, Matt, is there a per gallon amount you would recommend for using D10 plus or MFT on shrubs? More broadly, have you tested peptides on shrub flowers or any other ornamentals? Ornamentals, no. Um, but other dicots, yes. Uh, crops, yes. And again, it's around that 32 ounces per acre with MFT. You could probably go a little bit higher. You, know, you could probably safely go like uh, up to up to one gallon an acre. So three ounces per thousand square feet. But you're not spraying shrubs in the same way. So in my what I would do is just say as a general flat rule is I would half it. Right. So if you got a I would start at like one ounce per gallon, something like that, and make your application at around there. Um, or maybe even a half ounce per gallon. Start there and then work your way up. Uh, I'll give you an example, like on uh, soybeans and corn. Um, you know, we get a 32 ounces per acre is about where we go. Um, with the MFT, we've gone higher on corn, not quite as uh, uh, the, the increasing rates on soybeans wasn't really doing a whole lot for us. Um, and it was kind of interesting. We specifically had really good response mixing it with herbicides in spring. Um, so making a glyphosate application or making a, uh, uh, a dicamba application or something, um, we had great results mixing either the D10 or the MFT with, 
those herbicides and the amount of injury that occurred to the plant, uh, kind of unavoidable injury, secondary injury, collateral damage that occurred. We saw much less of it and, uh, and actually pretty, pretty significant uh, response from the weeds as well, uh, more so than we expected to see based off just an herbicide, herbicide surfactant application alone. So, um, no, not specifically ornamentals. Yes, other dicots. Look, the hook is back. I didn't know grass was so popular. I think I'm on the wrong business. <laughs> I'm telling you, lawn care is one of those things. And the hook, man, I'll tell you, um, there is a an Australian uh, uh, YouTube guy. And his name is Ben, and his channel is called Lawn Tips. I'm going to throw it in the chat right here and check it out, man. Uh, he's a he is a professional turf grass manager in Australia. You know, works works golf and and obviously does lots of lots of fun things with his yard too. You know, puts puts golf greens in and all kinds of fun stuff right there in his front yard. So. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. It's a good, it's a good little foray, and you know he keeps things simple. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's so simple. You, you know, it doesn't. He's not. He's not trying to appeal to people that are looking for top five lists, so to speak. Uh, but he keeps it simple enough that that even a beginner can follow along and employ a lot of the the practices that that he uh, puts into um, uh, into practice there. So. Shout out to Ben Sims, uh, who actually won my YouTube channel of the year this year. Uh, I think he does just a an absolute phenomenal job. John Teague over here was talking trash with his Tiff Grand man. Not everybody can have Tiff Grand, John Teague. Not everybody can have Tiff Grand. This guy over here. But I tell you, you know, John, there's a reason why you have Tiff Grand. It's because you work hard for what you got, sir. I know, I know you. And I know you relatively personally well, and I know you work hard, sir. Ben is also a Bowling Green guy. That is right. He is, as is right. <laughs> uh, under high disease pressure, you need a 14-day application interval. Anyway, uh, okay, reverting back to Armada. Armada is not a curative for brown patch. Aliette plus ProStar if brown patch is bad. Um, it, let's see, I, I have used it specifically for brown patch in cool season turf. And, uh, and I had, I had, I had no issues with that. It definitely worked as a curative. It just, it was not as long lasting. I'll say that. RBL Jackson said, I did a few citric applications to my yard last fall as a test to reduce soil pH values. Can I add citric acid to my February prodiamine application, or does it need to be kept as a standalone app? So you can, uh, you can add that as an app. One thing I would be careful is that uh, make sure you have complete control over that being irrigated. Um, Pre-emergence, specifically something like prodiamine, is actually going to play really well with an acidified spray tank um, because you're going to be buffering out a lot of calcium and magnesium in your water that can cause some issues. Um, any, any kind of high, high pH and herbicides as a generalized rule of thumb, this is not a set in stone, has to be this, it's always true, but as a generalized rule of thumb, High calcium levels, high pH products do not play well with herbicides. 
It's just a potential. My wife is in here. Happy New Year, Sami. Um, so that being said, if you are acidifying your spray solution with something like citric acid, all of those excess carbonates you have in your water uh, will react, or at least some of them will react over to citrate versions, which are now salt-soluble compounds, right? So calcium citrate will be soluble in water to a degree and uh, and is, uh, is no longer going to be as... Uh, uh, have as much of a, of a reactive influence on your herbicides. Does that, does that make sense? Does that help? I hope that helps. Uh, oh, Ray said right here, uh, keep it at no more than 32 ounces per acre of area covered. One teaspoon per gallon, four gallons per thousand square feet. Hiya! Is it possible to kill turf grass around elephant ear plants without harming them? St. Augustine around a bunch of around a bunch of about 10 plants. Um, yes. Oh, look, look, Ray jumped in right there and said fusillate or cethoxidem would be good. Um, yeah, and one of the ones like you, know, you can you can kill St. Augustine real easy, real easy with quinclorac. But remember, quinclorac can have some uh, 2,4-D-like symptoms and actually will control broadleaf weeds. So you got to be careful with, it, like, that's one of those things where you're thinking, you know, oh, man, I, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, 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 chlorine. I'm just going to spray a little chlorine, and then all of a sudden you start taking out something like, like an elephant ear. So uh, I like that recommendation of fusillate or cethoxidem in lieu of something like chlorine. Uh, but, of course, but of course, you could always do some glyphosate applications too, and you'd be all right there as well. Uh, just don't spray the elephant ear itself. Uh, best practice to bring zoysia out of dormancy. Looking to Molo, do I scalp zoysia after last chance of frost natural area? Yes, Mark, you're exactly right. So whatever our final frost day is here, and I'm in East Tennessee, you're in Nashville, so I'd say it's going to be somewhere around mid-April time frame for you is where you're like free and clear being out of the frost potential, even though we had one in May this year, which sucked. Um, but um yeah you, you, scalp it that's going to be the first thing you want to do scalp it collect those clippings discard them burn them whatever you want to do uh but yes scalp it is the absolute first thing you want to do then you can start maintaining it at your desired height of cut high ph and metsulfuron methyl gets squirrely as well count. <laughs> count it uh, you're exactly right because high higher pH spray solutions and higher pH soils specifically are going to increase the duration, the soil duration of metsulfuron methyl, also known as MSM. Uh, then that can be a very bad news thing because that could be a seven-month thing that you're having to deal with. And if you have oak trees, that can be a doubly bubbly problem that you have there so just be careful and this is one of those this is one of those things where i think it's important um if you are choosing to make an herbicide application go ahead and look into the characteristics of that herbicide and the stability of that herbicide with 
your tank mix companions that you're going to be spraying it with. So, for instance, if you're going out with something uh, that is going to have a spray solution of something like a 10 or an 11, and that's going to be like your fertilizer or whatever, which I'm not really sure which fertilizer is going to have a pH of 10 or 11, uh, maybe a thiosulfate would be alkaline enough to do that, like a potassium thiosulfate. Uh, or if you're spraying like straight potassium hydroxide, you may have an even higher pH of like a 12 or a 14 or something. Uh, and then, and then for whatever reason, you need to make a post-emergent application of, um, uh, you're very welcome as SVT bill 89, by the way, if you were born in 89, it's not a bad year. I'm 86. Uh, <laughs> normal when I see that, that's what I, that's immediately what I go to. Um, so I would, um, I would just be careful and look at what the characteristics of your products are over a, a range of, of pHs and understand what can happen there. Because especially if you're using something that's very reactive too, because, you, oh man, you can just create so many different problems and make so many different sub smaller reactions out of that by just willy nilly mixing things. This is why when you hear the phrase jar test, jar test, jar test, jar test, jar test, jar test, just jar test. Do it. Make it a part of your thing. That if you're going to put together a tank mix, go get a small cup and just add just little bits of whatever it is you're going to be spraying in there. Mix them together and make sure there is no chemical reaction that takes place. You may feel it start to get hot. You may see it putting a vapor. It may turn into a solid mass. All of these things can potentially happen and all of these things. And if you're doing a jar test, make sure you're outside. Make sure you're not in your in your bathroom or something mixing this up, trying to, um, oh, an 89 SVT Mustang. That's a good one. I didn't think about that, Kevin. Um, make sure you're not in your bathroom just whipping these things up, trying to hide them from your wife or whatever because she's going to be mad that you spent another $120 on something. Uh, because if there is a chemical reaction, the last thing you need is to lose all your oxygen while you're in a small enclosed area like that. And then you, you die. All of those are very real realities because we're talking about pesticides here. Uh, and there is a lot of chemistry that goes into the formulation of these. Even when we're talking about fertilizers, there is a lot of chemistry and potential reactivity that can take place with all the fertilizers we have at our disposals so it's important it's very important J take it outside do a small jar test make sure everything mixes together and if it does great you know no no big deal 90 percent of the time it will be no big deal the 10 percent of the time it is a big deal it's going to be horrific what ends up happening and i'm not saying from a death perspective i'm saying it's going to be horrific that you could ruin a pump you can ruin your sprayer and it, it like you're going to ruin it to the point where it ain't coming back. You're going to develop a solid in your hose that cannot be dug out. You are going to 70% of the time, every time uh, you're, you're, it's going to react in your, uh, in your, um, uh, in, in your, in your diaphragm or whatever, and break apart, uh, a piece of steel or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's nutty what you can see happen. On the inside of, uh, with some of these reactions, I'll give you an example. Back in the day, this was the first time I ever experienced this firsthand. Firsthand. And this is why I'm preaching the importance of, um, 
uh, jar testing here. I was trying to shortcut my way through a day uh, because I, I knew I had to go backpack a relatively large area uh, with a combination of 2,4-D and, uh, and a, another herbicide that is no longer available on the market, but it's uh, monosodium methane arsenate. And so to save time, I mixed these two in a bottle and went on about my day. And when I got there and I opened up this bottle, it had congealed into this solid mass. I mean, like it, literally a solid mass that no longer was malleable or flowable, and the whole thing had to be tossed. So um, as just a general rule of thumb, jar test, jar test. I don't mean to be get all preachy preachy here, but I'm telling you right now, you should, you should jar test. If it's not a part of what you do, start doing it. Uh, Matt, Scott has a new FERT, UltraFeed, that says it uses Scott's Secure Nutrients, a patented particle that releases nutrients as your lawn needs them, which helps one feeding last up to six months. Six months of nitrogen release from one app seems like an exceptionally long time. Is this any kind of breakthrough or just a lot of fancy marketing for a basic polymer coating? Um, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of that, Timmy. So, um, in one, <laughs> yeah, what that? What's in our nose? Yeah, you're exactly right. That was not a failed jar test when I burned down my shed. That was just me being an idiot when I burned down my shed. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'll have to look into this and see what exactly it is. And if it's patented, that's great because the patented should, the patent should be available for me to read. Um, here's the thing is that with a six month feed, right? So say you perform a climate appraisal form. And if you are interested in getting into the climate appraisal form and performing a climate appraisal form to see what kind of nutrient demand you're going to have over a period of time, um, I posted this on the Grass Factor Facebook page. You can go over there. You're going to see a link um, to uh, to my post. And wait, let me let me let me make sure it should be pinned to the top. There it goes. Yes, it is. Um, and this is a a program planner. Um, it should be pinned at the top. And this is will kind of give you a, uh, a your first foray into the um um what do you want to call it uh the climate appraisal form and understanding what your nutrient demand is going to be month by month i put a direct link to it too on the subvert website if you just prefer to go there i have it behind an email uh just that way you basically you're signing away your life that if you use this and use it maliciously or end up causing damage to your art or something i'm not liable for it so that's why I do that. Plus, I'm going to send you an email and tell you about updates we have coming up. Anyway, I digress. Um, so if you are trying to cover six months, so say you have a Bermuda lawn, right? And you know, based on your climate appraisal form, you're going to need from uh, from April until... Uh, let's see, April, May, June, July, August, September. We know over those uh, six months, hey, dog, unnecessary, sir. Unnecessary, brother. I appreciate you. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> 
Uh, and so over over that six month period, you may need we'll say four and a quarter pounds of of nitrogen over that time period. Okay, you can apply. You can apply your Scott Secure that's going to release over six months, but it's not going to take away the fact that your nitrogen demand is still going to be close to that four and a quarter. Now, you may have some enhanced efficiency taking place there where, you know, four and a quarter is going to act more like four. And so you only need to apply four pounds of in over that time period instead of four and a quarter kind of deal. Okay. You still have to apply that four pounds. So you can apply it, but you are going to have to spend that money and apply it all at one time because it needs to release over that six months, right? Because over that six months, you're going to need, you're going to need still the same amount of fertilizer. That is not going to change. Whether you apply it every week, whether you apply it every other day, whether you apply it once a month, every six weeks, every eight weeks, every 12 weeks, every 16 weeks, every six months, you still are going to have the same nutrient demand over the same, assuming, depending on your weather pattern, you're going to have that same nutrient demand, right? According to your temperatures. So just because you got something that releases six months doesn't mean it's necessarily doing any favors for you, right? It may be doing some favors for you that you can go apply it really heavy. But here's the thing. You can apply six months of nitrogen at one time that'll release over six months. But can you do that with phosphorus? Yeah, debatable. Yeah. Can you do it with potassium? No. Even our best polymer-coated potassiums are not going to release for six months. Even if you are getting a duration 180, the release on that maybe is going to be at 120 days. Maybe. And I don't even know if they do a duration 180 on uh, a potassium. They might do it on potassium sulfate. I don't know for sure. So that's where therein lies the problem. That's great. And that's kick ass that they've got that technology. There are certain instances where that is an exceptional positive thing. And think about it for golf and you're trying to manage uh, a labor costs or whatever, and you don't have the budget to be able to make five applications due to, due to labor constraints. But if you took all the, the labor it took in those five applications and you could condense it into one application, it may make sense monetarily to throw it all out there at one time and be done with it. Now, the majority of people who are going to be watching this live show right now are not the kind of people that want to make a single application and make it last for six months. There's a lot more hands-on-zy-on-zy kind of thing that just occurs with people that take more of a professional approach to it and that's understandable so there's a certain amount of control when you are managing biological processes as complex as plants are you're you the amount of control you assert over these biological processes the more predictable things are when you're Basically, giving away six months of who knows what can happen, you're giving up a lot of control and you're opening up the possibility for a lot of accidental happenings to take place. So I think about it from the standpoint of me being a lawn applicator. If I go 
and put out a six month product and say, you know, I'm not going to go back for four months. I go back four months later and the lawn is just absolutely eat up with weeds. And I'm like, oh, I don't understand. I put down my pre-emergent and now I'm eat up with weeds. And you start looking at it and it's all American burn weed and it's fescue. And I couldn't apply spectacle. I had to apply prodiamine or dimension or dithypir or, or whatever the case may be. And that's not going to help me against my American burn weed. And, and then what do I do? Yeah, I'm scratching my head. But I... I got the fertilizer piece right, but I screwed up the weed control piece right. I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I actually think it's super cool, and I want to look into it, and I do want to know how it differs. And I promise you, Timmy, I will get into way too deep on that product. I will get super deep on it and understand exactly how that works um, because it's. I, I think that's great. And I think no matter what anybody thinks Scott's reputation is, what Scott's does for the green industry is a great thing. Is a great thing. It's scary sometimes. It's scary because they are a big company. And with those big companies, they can do some things that make it real hard for small companies. But I have to say, I've never had a negative experience with, with Scott's. And I know a select number of small businesses that have business dealings with Scott's and all tell me positive things about working with Scott's and talk to me about positive things when it comes to quality control that Scott's enacts over their product line. So I can't, can't hate on it. And, and so it, while it, it could be a great piece of marketing, there probably is some real technology there too. Um, I'm here finally after finishing up brewing. It's a fun hobby, but kind of a pain too. Yeah, that's beyond what I would like to get into right now. I do enough fertilizer brewing. I don't know if I could get into beer brewing on top of it. <laughs> uh, when is the best time to treat my lawn for brown patch? Uh, so Eric, it depends on your turf type, right? Um, so I'm going to assume you have cool season grass because if I do remember correctly, you are somewhere in the Northeast, but as a general rule of thumb, what you're looking for is higher humidity. So we'll say humidity levels over 50%. Uh, and you're looking for temperatures over 85 during the day and over 60 degrees at night. And if you string five of those together with high humidity during the day, you can bet your ass you are more than likely going to be facing brown patch and you want to apply a preventative fungicide prior to the outbreak of that brown patch. But as a general rule of thumb, for cool season grass only, this does not apply to large patch in warm season grass. This is cool season grass only. Over 85 during the day, over 60 at night, five consecutive days with humidity. Uh, what's the best advice as far as getting started again before the first fertilization uh, this season, upcoming season for Jersey? Uh, real simple. I, I mean, I think this is just as a, you know, one, one thing to do is just go ahead and get a soil test and see exactly where you're starting the year. See exactly where you are starting. That way, if you have to do something like lime, I see your next question here, 
Do trees suck in a lot of lime? In other words, will it cause big pH drop where there are a lot of trees? No, that's a myth. Um, but you know, see, for instance, go ahead and pull a soil test and see, do I need to make a lime application? Or you may see, oh, I've got a pH of 7.2. I don't need to do crap as far as lime is concerned. Or you may see, oh, I've got a pH of 7.7. 7.7. So there we go. Um, the, uh, uh, the other thing would be, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that in, in most simple terms are the easiest things that is the easiest thing to go ahead and get started because with that piece of information, that piece of data, you can make calculated decisions that are going to set you up for a wild degree of success over the upcoming season. Do trees suck in a lot of lime? No, that's not how that works. Um, lime will react with excess hydrogen in the soil. Um, and uh, uh, so basically when you apply a carbonate, right, it's tying up excess hydrogen in the soil. The excess hydrogen in the soil is what contributes to the pH of the soil. So if you have excess hydrogen in the soil, you have an acidic soil. If you have excess carbonates in the soil, you have a high pH soil. So trees are not going to directly use any of the lime, lime being carbonates in this instance. Uh, now, where you start to see this is that, oh, well, I've got pine needles and pine needles drop and they create acidity in the soil. Well, uh, yes and no. It's potential they can. Are they always going to? Not necessarily. I've seen plenty of soils underneath pine trees that are at a cool six and a half all day long and have been under pine trees for a long time, a long time, decades. So it's not always the case that trees, all trees will create uh, acidic soil conditions. That is a, uh, that is a myth. Take all the fun out of the jar test. That's right. Uh, in Tomosporium, lease by on Indian hawthorns. Any recommendations? I have a hedgerow that continues to deteriorate every year. Application plan for the upcoming year. See, I don't know. Look, Bray made the suggestion of Armada Chlorothalonil. Um, I was going to say Chlorothalonil uh, just because that is uh, that's kind of my go-to when it comes to trees and shrubs. If Chlorothalonil doesn't get it, I don't know. I scratched my head. Uh, but that is what I would do. In Tomosporium, lease spot. Is that what I call fire bright, uh, blight on entomosporium? Uh, let me see what this looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And I swear it is every, 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 every Indian Hawthorne out there across America suffers from this at one point. Through the growing season. Just saying. Drives me bananas. All right, let's get here. Let's keep going. What's up, Super TA? How are you good, sir? 
Mr. Martinez says, I am building a new house. My builder's proposal includes hydro seating. Thoughts on hydro seating. I live in the Midwest. So I, I like hydro seating. I think it's great. It's a great way to get things started. Uh, the one thing you want to make sure of is that they're using the clean seed that you would want to have as a nice lawn. So a lot of times you have to remember these hydro seeders, the majority of what they're going to be doing, I say the majority, and this is that's not true. That's a broad brush stroke for me, and it's just not true. Some hydro seeders do work on uh, slope stabilization, and so they'll go and blow varieties of different weeds all over hillsides, like vetch and clovers, things that are going to help stabilize slopes. And what you want to make sure is that none of that gets passed on to your lawn. So I would make sure I would try and get some sort of uh, uh, statement of confidence from this guy, if not in writing, <laughs> Which I would say that's a little risky because you can still have weeds in the yard, even though he didn't spray it in there. Um, and I would probably just hand select the seed that he hydro seeds with. If you're in the Midwest, you know, kind of pick your poison there. Do you want Kentucky bluegrass or do you want tall fescue or do you want tall fescue and Kentucky bluegrass and have your little heart's desire hydro seeding it? Yes, by all means. It's, it is. It's very effective. It's pre it's uh, protected seed. Now, I wouldn't go letting them putting the idea that it's good. It's a good idea to seed now. At this point, that we're in January, I'd go ahead and wait until we have a stretch of warm days in the spring uh, and then hydro seed. Then not do it now. I'll give you an example. Um, I was at a place in uh, uh, north of me. I was in southern Indiana, and it was very recently, and they had a new building that was constructed, and they just hydro seeded the side of it. And I can tell it was one of those things where probably the general contractor was like, just get it done, get it hydro seeded to hell with it, just be done with it. And over the course of several trips over a few months, guess how much of it has, has come up since, oh, October uh, eh, it was later than that. It was maybe like November 15th. Since November 15th, guess how much has come up? Zero. Zero. Will it eventually? Some of it will. But if he would have waited till spring, it would all come up and it'd be covered by now is my point. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, long journeys actually said the same thing. I would insist on picking the seed or supplying it. There you go. What happens when a hurricane floods your lawn three months into your six month nitrogen app? That's a good point. Depending on what it is, um, there is potential. Now, I, I, you know, yes, you have a hurricane like flood, but if it's been down for three months, chances are, regardless of it still being in prill form, a lot of that has likely latched on pretty tightly inside your soil. Also, you got to remember, if you take fertilizer pills and drop them in water, they are more dense than water, so they're going to float to the bottom. Um, and uh, and so probably in this instance, too, you're, you're not going to lose as much as you would think. You would think, now, if it was a soluble product that went into it that was you know, soil stable and was solubilized, went in the soil and was soil stable, you would lose all of that, but you're not going to see any soil stable, soluble fertilizer last three months or six months, maybe 45, maybe 60 days at, at the most. You catch the timing of a UMAX application just right. You might get three months out of it, maybe. 
what are they hydrogenating with? Yep, yep, that, that's the other one there. Uh, can you post a link to the Discord chat? I haven't been able to get in there. Oh, wow, did something change? No, it's the same thing. Go to the lawndiscord.com. The lawndiscord.com. Uh, labor is often small money compared to a slow release product that actually works, speaking from a pro standpoint. That is very, very true. Labor is always the cheaper part of the equation. Uh, let's see, where am I? Uh, <laughs> no, he is not Ray. Uh, RBL Jackson is uh, one of the one of the good ones. Uh, Eric Von Waddell has St. Augustine. Yep, totally not in the Northeast at all. Uh, you were talking about brown patch timing, so. You are going to want to make your applications prior to the cooling off temperature, right? So if you're looking at your uh, uh, growth uh, percent chart, I would say as you see that you are trending below 60% growth potential, then I would go ahead and make my application of preventative fungicide. 50% is probably closer, um, but... As 60% growth potential, again, this is taking data from the climate appraisal form. As you're trending towards 60, going ahead and making that application would probably be your best bet. And that may, actually, that may be even low. That's something, I, you know, Ray and I should do a whole segment on that and talk about those temperatures of what exactly 60% looks like and, and how that will end up working out. As far as disease control, that's a good one there that we could really, really dive deep into. Um, best insights on a Bermuda, Bermuda, blue muta yard overseed on Bermuda lawn. Um, I no, I. It's one of those things that this is going to sound a little crazy and by all means you do not have to follow it but a light application of tenacity to suppress your bermuda grass before seeding your kentucky bluegrass will probably be my recommendation just to help give that starting chance to the to the uh, bluegrass now you have to remember when you're doing bermuda you're looking for not uniform Kentucky bluegrass throughout. It's going to be a commingling interspecies kind of deal there with some give and take. So, I uh, Ray to uh, the subject of the show would be determining uh, predictive based brown patch applications, preventative brown patch applications, utilizing the climate appraisal form based on growth probability and date of application to prevent brown patch in warm season turf. How about that? Scam alert. I don't know what we're scam alerting, but we're going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but if you're trying to get your uh, your Kentucky bluegrass uh, kicked off or something like that, uh, look, Ray said the same thing. Bleach it with tenacity or pilex and seed your Kentucky bluegrass. You know, and depending on the state of dormancy of your Bermuda grass, if it's still relatively actively growing, um, you know, maybe get away with like verticutting or something like that. Uh, you know, slit seeding is going to be, you know, I, 
yeah, you could probably, you could probably do it. You could probably do it. But I would say you would want to do that kind of in the spring before the Bermuda has, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be attempting a Bermuda yard in the spring. I would be doing that in the fall for sure. And I don't know if I'd be verticutting in the fall. So I don't know. T- take that back. Take that back. Yeah. I would probably just seed into it. Maybe rake it or something prior to. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on it there. <clears throat> I wish my pine trees created a pH drop. There we go. Another case in point. Uh, is there a difference between sewer sludge, phosphorus, and what's in most granulars? Uh, yes. So um, they typically what you're seeing in sewage sludge is going to be, oh, hang on. Uh, what is the active ingredient? I am drawing a blank of what that is. Hang on. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Uh, here, here. Uh, it is magnesium, ammonium, phosphate, hexahydrate. Okay. And that is, that is primarily the active ingredient of the phosphorus that is in sewage sludge. And most of the time, the way that's being collected, is, it's, it's kind of a scale from, from, a, from the byproduct of it, but basically a magnesium phosphate, magnesium ammonium phosphate hexahydrate is the active ingredient. Yes, that is different. Typically what you're seeing in fertilizers, if it is a cheap fertilizer, you're likely seeing DAP, diammonium phosphate, a little different, higher solubility, in my opinion, a better product than magnesium, ammonium, phosphate, hexahydrate. But I, that's kind of debatable. I, I do not have a lot of experience with specifically magnesium, ammonium, and phosphate, hexahydrate. I want to try it, but there's not enough of it on the market right now. Uh, it is in higher demand than is able to be manufactured right now. So, uh, and then kind of the Cadillac, uh, as you start moving into Cadillac forms of phosphorus, you have potassium phosphate, uh, like monopotassium phosphate or dipotassium phosphate, MKP, DKP, are going to be good ones. Um, and also uh, monoammonium phosphate. So there you go as, as well. All of those are going to be soluble, uh, which is a good thing because that means faster bioavailability to the plant. But, but the caveat there is that it can also react with other things in the soil like calcium um, or iron or mag- manganese or magnesium or uh, whatever the case may be. All of those can react with your phosphorus and tie it up, tie it up. Now, the plant can still go find it. But what was readily available is no longer readily available, and the plant is going to have to put some effort into it. Um, so, yeah, there, so yes, there is. Now, the, Ray was talking about the solubility. That's the thing. The magnesium, ammonium, phosphate, hexahydrate is not very soluble at all. That's why it exists as scale in these manufacturing processes. 
Um, you'll even see it in digesters, right? So people that are running like food digesters and stuff, they, they pull this magnesium ammonium phosphate hexahydrate out. And um, it is it is not very soluble and thus it has like a slow release effect. Um, but the problem is, is that if you need it now, you're not going to get it now. It has to go through its mineralization process in order to become available. I hope that helps. Use Agravos or Reliant for fire blight. Yeah, Reliant is a good one right there. I forgot about, I haven't heard Reliant in a long time. It's the old injection game. What are you shooting up? Some phos acid. <laughs> I think that would be agrifos. Uh, my neighbor was complaining just today about his hawthorns dying. I've had good success with 3336 and dacanil on my hawthorns. I would say that would be a good You know, dacanil is chlorothalonil. It's, it's so broad spectrum. It's a good one. Phosphites have activity on bacterial diseases. Minimal activity on diseases other than pythium and phytophthora. Make sure they don't do erosion control or you will get bad seed left behind. There we go. There we go. Uh, is there a formula or recommendation for pounds of lime per thousand square feet to apply when increasing soil pH? Uh, I was 5.8 last spring, did a nap. We'll be retesting this spring. Not sure it is that cut and dry. No, it's not because it depends on the lime buffering capacity of your soil. So depending on the lime buffering capacity of your soil, will determine what the rate per thousand square feet will need to be to move your soil from 5.8 to whatever it is you want to move it to, probably around like a 6.5 or something. And the lime buffering capacity has to be determined in the lab. It's not something I can just tell you. There's not a general rule of thumb of what it's going to be. Uh, I know it won't completely vanish, but what are the chances of zoysia planted sod squares overtaking common Bermuda yard to be the prominent grass there? Uh, not likely. What you're going to see is that some years the zoysia is going to do very good. In other years, you'll see the Bermuda doing very good. And then there'll be kind of this weird kind of give and take. Ray said zoysia will probably take over the neighborhood. Um, in my experience, what I have seen is that typically Bermuda takes over at first and then over a, a period of years and years and years, that's where you'll kind of hit that equilibrium. Now I live in a part of the country where Georgia goes completely dormant. And when it does go completely dormant, we typically still have enough cold weather to knock it back certain years more so than it does the Bermuda. So that's why you'll see kind of this resurgence of Bermuda and then in Zorja, 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 and then Bermuda and then Zorja, Zorja, is, is kind of the way I see it work, at least where I'm at. Now, where you are, your mileage may vary. All right, everybody. I want to appreciate you all for tuning in tonight. I had a damn good time. Good seeing you. Ray and I are going to have another pick the doc's brain coming up soon. We can talk about these options here, but if you have specific questions that you want Ray and I to get into, we don't care how deep the chemistry, we don't care how deep the biology, whatever it is, feel free to shoot me an email at thegrassfactor at gmail.com or you can use the contact form at thegrassfactor.net. Super easy. Submit a question there for Pick the Doc's Brain and when we go on, we'll discuss it high and hard and heavy. Deep, baby. Deep. 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Y'all all have a fantastic new year and get ready to kick 2021's ass. I'm talking to you, Lushy. I'm talking to you. See ya. Hold on.